horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. All right. Well, thanks for joining us for another edition of Winning Ponies. We love when you listen. Remember, if for any reason you can't or if you've got a friend that uh, likes the topics and the guests we have on uh, this week, make sure that they uh, pull down our podcast starting tomorrow. They're up there pretty much ad infinitum. Well, today we've got a gentleman that I've known for... Oh, I'm going to say 20 years. And uh, he's currently one of the top riders at Arlington Park. His name is Julio Felix, because that's the way Kevin Gomer used to always pronounce his name when he'd enter the winner's circle at River Downs. Julio Felix, a very interesting backstory from the island of St. Croix. I'm not going to spoil the story, but kind of a different place. And uh, he's, he's been through some uh, hard times, some tragic times, uh, came back to the U.S., established himself was six times the leading rider at Thistledown and then decided the money was a little bit bet- better up in Chicago. And at the time he got there, it was. We'll see what happens with uh, racing in Illinois. But uh, he's got an interesting story on uh, how uh, you know he came here, he got his career caught on, and now how he helps other riders from the Virgin Islands, particularly the island of St. Croix, when they come to the United States. So we will be talking to Julio Felix and talking about some of his great rides in the past that I laid witness to. And then my main man, the man I admire, that's right, Ed Meyer is going to be with us, former host of this uh, talk show. And uh, we're going to be looking at the grade one Longines test stakes, unique distance. I love this. Seven furlongs. Uh, pretty uh, open field. I think the favorite's uh, three to one. So you, you know that uh, it's hard for the odds maker to separate him. Ed also is not only a, uh, a writer and a track announcer, he's also an odds maker uh, on the Cincinnati area. And in addition to that, uh, a race that just has such a storied past. It's the 91st running of the Whitney Stakes. And uh, this race always stamps a horse as a great one and certainly, uh, you know, one that uh, is legit for the Breeders' Cup Classic at the end of the year. All eyes kind of on Diversify, who was very, very impressive in the, uh, the Suburban at Belmont Park, a mile and a quarter. The Whitney is a mile and an eighth. Uh, he's on a, a two-race win streak, just Put a, put a line through his Charlestown Classic, and other than that, this horse has been almost unbeatable in the last two years. He's at 14 lifetime starts, nine wins, $1.3 million, and he's a New York-bred gelding diversified. We'll see if Ed, who's very good at picking up upsetters, can find one in this field. I guess some people might think, can mind your biscuits, uh, who's just been an amazing class act and other new york bread can he stretch his speed out to a mile and an eighth those are questions we'll have for ed meyer when he comes on during the handicapping portion and of course uh, from there we're going to go on to the jewel of mountaineer park and that would be the west virginia derby half a million dollars for this grade three race a lot of uh, west coast invaders and horses coming out of the iowa derby it's always a mishmash there 
at Mountaineer for the Virginia Derby. We'll see if Ed can help us uh, figure it all out. All right, that's a look at our, our top guests. With all this racing action, you know, Saratoga is just phenomenal uh, the way it's coming at you. You've got to have a friend, and that friend is us here at Winning Ponies. It's our easy win forms. Give you a couple recents here in a three-day spread uh, at Gulfstream Park. We had a one-dollar super high five that paid four thousand six forty-eight. Another four-thousand-dollar winner came at Charlestown one day later. That was in a one-dollar pick six. Then the next day over to Penn National, a one-dollar super high five paid three thousand one seventy-two, and where Julio calls home, Arlington Park. Just three days ago, a 50-cent pick five, 2,529. Those are the easy win forms at Winning Ponies. Plenty of action, and it's not all that expensive. All right, let's get into some of the news. Um, Quick one, American Pharaoh's half-sister, pretty impressive, chasing yesterday. Uh, put in her debut, and it looks like she might have carved out her own niche in racing. Um, she's not really a sprinter, said Baffert, <clears throat> who has her, uh, but uh, nonetheless, uh, she she got the job done, and uh, it will be interesting to watch. It was uh, uh, pretty impressive. Remember, chasing yesterday, half-sister to American Pharaoh. What a family. Okay, we'll get into last week's results as we come up, but here's here's the, the current national news. Um, well, Justify, he's back home, Windstar Farm, where he was broken and trained uh, in his early days. Uh, it came back to Windstar uh, it just, uh, just yesterday and uh, came off the plane, looked fine, was still fresh. He looks great. They say fantastic. But what they'll probably do is give him a week or so to settle in, and then they're going to allow you to actually come visit him during certain hours of the day at Windstar Farm. How cool is that? Uh, Hopefully you can get some nice weather, bring your camera, come down. Uh, He will be shown to the public uh, only as part of the Windstar Farm scheduled tour um, through the Horse Country program. And uh, so they've added extra tours to that, uh, but uh, they could be sold out. Now, there's no plans at this time for stud according to Elliot Walden, but I think it's the worst kept secret in the world because he's probably going to Coolmore where he'll join another triple crown winner, American Pharaoh. So uh, he's, he's safe and sound. A career is over. They're honored to have him back at Windstar. And uh, I think it's just a matter of time before we find out that uh, Coolmore will be his permanent home. Well, here's a fan favorite, and keep your fingers crossed, say a prayer, for Lava Man. Uh, Lava Man is being treated for colic right now, and uh, Doug O'Neill is uh, posting updates on his social media, uh, saying basically, you know, he's a tough guy, but they'd appreciate his good wishes, your good wishes, and keep everybody posted. So uh, what an amazing story there. I mean, the winningest claimer of all time, 17 wins, earnings of $5,268,000. And he's been a stable pony uh, since he's been retired. Hey, think about this. The grade ones, 
three times he won the Hollywood Gold Cup from 2005 to 2007. And in 2006, he won four grade one races, um, but finished seventh in the Breeders' Cup Classic. He was claimed for 50 thousand and of course after winning all those grade ones he was inducted into racing's hall of fame in 2015 lava man what a horse let's hope he makes it folks okay my boy jack who got a lot of backing in the kentucky derby from everybody that had an uncle or a son named jack looks like he's going to hit the sidelines from 60 to 90 days he's having bone chips surgically uh, removed from his front ankles and will be aimed at the 2009 campaign when he's four so uh everybody loved him he was one of those silky sullivan types uh he uh, finished eighth of nine in the belmont derby but uh you know in 12 starts he earned 729,000, trained by keith desormo uh, ridden by his brother kent so he's going to get a little bit of a race uh they say the chips were in both front angles but they don't see any reason why the vets think he won't get back to racing and battle of midway Remember him? Retired to stud? Nah, baby, nah, because it was discovered he was subfertile, so he's back in training, and he is working bullets. He's a four-year-old son now, a smart strike, five furlongs and 59 and four, fastest of 52. He's in the Hollandor for Barn, and that's red hot right now. How about Unique Bella? Anybody watch that race? Uh, Unique Bella in the uh, the Clement Hearst uh Threw a shoe early in the race. Of course, you and I didn't know that, but Mike Smith could feel it as they came out of the gate and uh, put her on the lead, uh, you know, where she likes to go. Led pretty authoritatively, but then all of a sudden it was like, yeah, better get going. She kind of went into uh, neutral. Wasn't getting tired, but just went into uh, neutral. And, uh, you know, all I could say is La Force put in a hell of a race trying to catch her. But uh, Unique Bella just kind of, when she got close, dug back in three shoes and all. So that was a big race from last week. Let's take a couple uh, others that we looked at last week. The Bing Crosby that had the amazing sprint horse Roy H, a millionaire. He was favored, but uh, just didn't get in gear fast enough. The winner of that race, Ransom the Moon at 5-1, to one, rallied from ninth, pulled into mid-pack, and won by two and a quarter lengths over Roy H in the Bing Crosby Grade 1, six furlong at Del Mar. Then we went to... Uh, the Saratoga, the Curlin Stakes, Hofburg is back, folks. Not eligible for nine winners or two anymore. One easily odds on. It looks like he'll be going to the Traverse Stakes. Hofburg, ridden by Irad Ortiz, takes the $100,000. Curlin, big day Saturday at Saratoga. The Vanderbilt, grade one, the winner in there. It was Byron King's pick, Imperial Hint who got the job done, and uh, he was in a very game effort. Ended up winning by three and three-quarter lengths over Warriors Club, one of those club horses from Churchill Downs. Then the Jim Dandy uh, uh, was on the card, but before that, what a race. The Bowling Green can't split him. That's right. Channel Maker and Glorious Empire dead heat 
in the Bowling Green. Glorious Empire led all the way until their noses hit the wire, and Channel Maker rallied from fourth. Now the Jim Dandy, it was a dandy. If you like tenfold, looked like he was going to go on an easy win, and all of a sudden started running like a drunken sailor, bore out at the 16th pole, but came back and won by three-quarters of a length off pace setter Flame Away. In that race, it was Vino Rosso who was made the favorite. He finished third. So that's a look at the races that we handicapped last week. Hope you had a winner in there. Now we're going to take a little bit of a break here. And uh, when we come back, we're going to be talking to Julio Felix. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me now, a gentleman that I have known, as I told you early in the show, for probably over 20 years, so I'm dating myself and him, but of course, we met when we were both really young, so you, you need to know that, but uh, his name's Julio Felix. If you uh, follow racing now in the Chicago area, you've probably cashed a few bets on him. He's always up high in the standings. Of course, uh, uh, back in the Cleveland area, he ruled the roost there for six years, he was the leading rider and in Ohio per se uh, he was one of the leading stakes jockeys of all time uh 
it's it's known that he's he's ridden over I believe a hundred stakes wins just in the state of Ohio alone. Uh, so it's been a long and storied career, but it was one that started out in the island of St. Croix. And I'm not going to tell the story. I got Julio Felix to tell it. Julio, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Um, yes, I started off in my little island of St. Croix, the U.S. Virgin Islands. And I I don't know how I ended up in Cleveland, <laughs> out of all places, with all that snow. Well, you had to get used to it. Now, uh, but now, while you grew up on the island of Saint Croix, you were actually born in New York, right? Yeah, I was born in New York. Um, I really don't know how that happened. Um, I had to ask my mom about it one time because all my brothers and sisters, they were all born in Saint Croix, and uh, so. But my dad was in Vietnam. And um, he was stationed in different places, and I think he was in uh, he was in New York at that time. And uh, my mom was, you know, she was followed him around, and so I was born in New York, the Bronx. Well, it was it's kind of interesting. Now, describe for me your younger years and how you entered the game, because St. Croix is not actually known as uh, the heart of racing. Right. Um, we have a racetrack in St. Croix, but it's not recognized. Um, but we have a starting gate and everything, and uh, they they actually been running for quite a while. Uh, you have some of the good Hall of Fame riders like Eddie Belmonte and those guys. They came to um, St. Croix, and I used to watch them when I was a kid. And uh, But anyways... Uh, I didn't know anything about the race. I grew up in the projects, and uh, my best friend, he was a jockey. And uh, I used to play baseball and basketball, and I was pretty good at both sports, and especially baseball. I was a pitcher, and um, I took my, I was MVP of, um, you know, in my league at that time when I was pitching. But when I went up to, the, the bigger leagues, which was, uh, I think it was 15, 16 to 18 or something like that, I was a shrimp. I, I never grew. <laughs> so my best friend, I used to follow him all over the place. Um, he was always like, he was three years older than me, but still he was my best friend. Um, he he was riding and he I used to watch him ride, but I was still kind of young and I was like, man, I want to... I want to do that one of these days. So it just so happened that he fell and broke his leg, and he got too tall and heavy. And I was still a a little shrimp. So he said, "Well, you could be a jackie," and I was like, "Man, it's about time." <laughs> so that's how that's how I started. Well, you may have been a little shrimp, as you call yourself, but you were certainly athletic, and you were always fit and always strong. And so what I understand, you came to Florida and started out there and and then made your way, again, I don't know how, you'll have to tell me, you made your way to Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah, um, well, I I rode in St. Croix for a little bit, and uh, no one really wanted to give me a shot, and... um, the Virgin Islands is three islands. We have St. Croix, St. Thomas, and St. John. And uh, we have a track in St. Croix and St. Thomas, but we always have competition against each other. You know how that is. 
My, uh-huh. You know, my people are better than your people. My island is better than yours. So <laughs> one day I went with my people from St. Croix to St. Thomas. And I was supposed to ride for my people, but they wouldn't put me on. And I just happened to ride in the big way. I picked up a horse from St. Thomas from the other island, which was... Uh, Actually, the first race I ever won in my life, it was a stake race. It was the Governor's Cup. That's what they call it, the Governor's Cup. The first race I ever won in my life was a stake race. Imagine that. Wow. Wow. How many jockeys can say that? that Julio, that's, that's unbelievable. unbelievable. I know. That's crazy. That's crazy. But that's, that's a true story. The first race I ever won was a stake race. Uh, well, we call it a stake race because it's the Governor's Cup. Right. And, uh... I didn't get to brag for my island, but I got to brag for myself. You know, oh, that, so, but yeah. anyways, um, long story short, um, I did write for, for one year, and I wanted to finish school, so I kind of went back and I finished. I got my, my high school diploma, and then um, I came back. Before I came back to ride, my best friend, my other friend was... Uh, assistant trainer to John Tomorrow in Miami, which was leading trainer in Miami for many years. Mm-hmm. And he said, you could come up here, you could, you could do good up here, and uh, you, you, you'll make it because you're very talented. And I, you know, that's, so I, I, I had that connection. I went up there and I started galloping horses for four or five months, and then I started racing. Well, you, you did awful well. I got to know got to know you when you were racing in the Midwest Circuit, and uh, you just had a phenomenal run there. Well, I'll tell you, what, I'm going to take a little bit of a turn here, Julio. Let me, uh, let me let me let me bring up some names from your past, and you tell me about. First of all, these all concern. I I have to get go down to Keeneland Library and do the, but I don't think any trio of trainer, owner, and jockey won as many stakes races. As you riding horses for Ron McKay that were trained by Mike Nance, and so the first horse yeah. I want to ask you about, if you re- what you remember about him, uh, because he had amazing speed, but every now and then he could stretch it out. Uh, he was a multiple champion. His name was Down the Pike Mike. What do you remember about him? Uh, he he was definitely my favorite. Um, even he was a sprinter, but. He he was cool, man. He was black, jet black with a a beautiful white, and, uh, and the markings were just unbelievable. And he he looked like a pony. He looked like a gentle giant. Um, you you would have to wake him up from the stall to bring him <laughs> to a race to run. <laughs> and and he was amazingly the fat one of the fastest horses I ever rode him. Well, he he really was, and he ended up winning a whole lot of money uh, for that team. I can't go through the, the litany of stakes winners, but one that stands out in my mind because of a quote from Mike Nance. You had just won a stake on Lady Sherry, and I'm interviewing Mike Nance. And I said, Mike, what okay. do you do to keep what do you do to keep this horse fit? He says, I don't do anything. He says she keeps herself fit by 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 by. Uh, uh, bobbing that big head of hers all day. <laughs> Tell me about Lady <laughs> Cherie because she she won she won uh, close to eight hundred thousand dollars, I think. Yeah, 
Yeah, Heron down the pike, Mike, too. Uh, he won 18, 18 out of, like, 25 or 26 races. More, more than 10 of them were stake races. I, I think they were, like, 80% stake races, you know? But um, Lady Cherie, she was the opposite of pretty. She was all kind of ugly. I don't want to say she was ugly because she was beautiful to me, you know? But she had the biggest ears and the longest <laughs> head, you know? <laughs> she really did, and but she was a sweetheart, just like him. I mean, you didn't have to wake her up to to go race, but um, she she was a come from behind route horse. Um, down the pike was a sprinter. I mean, he was speed and kind of taught him how to come from off it a little bit too, which made him a better horse. But Lady Sherry was um, the longer she ran, it was the stronger she got at the finish, and um, I. Man, she was, she had a turn of foot that was really unbelievable. And I think she's won on turf, dirt, everything, you know. She, Lady Sherry, um, she's one of my favorites too. I really can't say any of them are my favorites because they were pretty good to me, you know. Oh, there were so many. Like I said, you guys won over 100 stakes together. But now uh, let me take yeah. a quick turn before we get out of here. And that is uh, the, the tribute that some people give you is helping them as a mentor. And one that a lot of our listeners might know of is Kevin Krieger. And he says when, when he came back, he said that uh, Julio Felix taught Krieger the barrel trick. And he and he <laughs> said that uh, that, that uh, the when he – that. You told him, when I learned to ride, I learned to ride on a barrel, and a barrel is 10 times harder to ride than a racehorse and 20 times harder to ride than an equisizer. Tell me about the barrel trick. Yeah, well, the barrel doesn't move, you know. So um, you got to balance yourself on it. I I would take the, you know, the the rocks from the side so it doesn't move, and you have to balance yourself, and I put two reins and a rope rope or something to a tree. And um, I would I would make him. I I I learned to ride from a guy that was uh, supposed to be one of the best in Panama, but he got too heavy and too big. He was riding with one of the Hall of Famer, Ruben Hernandez. They started at at the same time. Yes, and, um, I remember Ruben Hernandez. Yes. Yeah, he was one magnificent, strong rider. Um, yeah, so he. He taught me all that he learned at the, at the Jackie School of Panama, in Panama. Yeah. So, I mean, that's how I learned how to ride. I thought I could ride when I, went, when I moved to Miami, and I really didn't know anything. And um, when this guy taught me how to ride, I, it was like night to day. I mean, uh, the last few months of my bug, I was riding better than anybody in the world. And, it, you know, I just ran out of time. And um, But the barrel, talking about the barrel. Yeah, yeah now, um, what did, uh, Phil, Phil, Julio, let me ask you. Is it is it is it strapped? Like, does a rope go through the, battle, uh, the barrel? Is the rope uh, uh, off the ground? Uh, to describe to me the actual physical, you know, what, what it takes is a barrel can roll over. Yeah, it's like a garbage, you know, um, like a barrel that you, you, you could throw garbage in it or... Trash, you know, um, yeah. like a rounded barrel. Yeah, I, I would use that, and then um, I would hook up some range to a tree. Or with well, Kevin Krieger, it was a tree, and um, 
and it would roll and aim a little bit and move. But, you know, I, I, this guy taught me how to do two, three minutes and race strong on it. You know, and I, I mean, I would get really tired. I was like, man, this thing is not moving. I'm, you know, it's dead. And he's like, just keep going, just keep going. And I, I could do up to five minutes. But he never told me to do five minutes. He always made me do two minutes, you know, and, or a minute and a half. Well, Kevin Krieger, <laughs> he got boot, he got the real boot camp. He got, I told him, <laughs> until you can do five minutes on this thing without getting tired, you're not ready to ride. <laughs> and he would be trying, I mean, he'll be working, he'll be standing up, falling off on the side, and I'm like, who told you to get up? Get back down. <laughs> so I was a tough, I was tough, I was tough on him. But it, he turned in, He turned out to be all right. He turned out to be one of the best riders from the Virgin Islands. I mean, I, I, I told him, I taught you all my tricks, and I want you to be better than me. So I wasn't holding anything back. It was up to him to, you know, to do what I taught him and um, to get better than me. And he, he made it to the Derby. He had a good horse, Golden Sense. You know, yes, he didn't. But he he's really an excellent rider, you know. And yes, even Victor LeBron, I didn't. Yeah, go ahead. Oh no! I was just—I was—you just took the words out of my mouth. There's a couple other riders from Saint Croix that are that are still uh, riding and very talented, and that would be uh, uh, Victor Le, uh, Victor LeBron, LeBron and an up and comer by the name of P.D. Prentice. Yeah, Victor LeBron is my cousin. And, um, really. He, he, yeah, he popped up on me uh, like uh, all of a sudden, and I didn't get a chance to really give him the wheelbarrow, uh, the, the barrel uh, treatment. But uh, we did the groundwork on the ground, and I, you know, and I, I schooled him a little bit like that. But Victor learned quick, and Victor was um, pretty sharp. He's a very smart kid, man, and uh, he's excellent rider. One of the best on the Virgin Islands too. Well, it's great because people, you know, it's interesting that, you know, uh, you, you think about a jockey room. And I mean, it is like a map of the world, you know, people from everywhere. But, you know, uh, you know, you hear about the jockey school in Panama and, of course, uh, John Velasquez, the one in Puerto Rico. And I think probably the most uh, right. famous is, uh, you know, the, the Peruvian uh, the jockey school right. and the many great riders that came out of that, uh, from Edgar Prado to uh, Rafael Bayarano and many more in between. And so I wanted to find out right. more about riders from Lacroix. And all I can say is, the best rider I know from Lacroix is Julio Felix. And Julio, thanks yeah, for right. you know taking time out of your day and uh, spending it with us and spinning some stories. Uh, I'll be watching you from afar. I know you got a big week coming up with the million down the road. I hope you pick up some mounts yeah. uh, in some of the stakes races there. And uh, it's just it's been a pleasure to know you throughout your life, but it's been even more of a pleasure to track your success in your career. Dan, and don't forget P.D. Prentice, man. He's another one. He's an upcoming star. You know, um, you know, I didn't get the chance to really sit down and teach him like the others, but, um, you know, he, he's watched us all along this time. And, you know, um, those guys, I mean, he, you know, Victor LeBron is probably mentoring him at Turfway and Cincinnati over there. So um, he, I'm very proud of him. He's, um, I think he's the next, Star from the Virgin Islands, so look out for P.D. Prentice. 
I will. I'm a big fan of Petey's. We're on Facebook together. Uh, he's doing very oh, well in okay. Cincinnati right now. So I, I, I yeah. know who he is, and uh, I, he, I never walk by him when he doesn't reach his hand out and shake it. Yeah, that's my. He's good people, man, and he's ex- He turned out to be an excellent writer, a gentleman, and um, you know, I I wish him all the best, and I know he's gonna do better than us. I'm hoping that he does better than us. Well, we'll find out. Well, you keep riding, and I'll be watching for you. Thanks for joining us on Winning Ponios. We've been listening to Julio Felix. All right, we're going to take a little bit of a break here. When we come back, we're going to be with the man that I admire, Ed Meyer. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full field with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. All right, and with me when they call me the host, the only reason I'm the host is because this gentleman passed the baton to me when he went on to bigger and better things. The one, the only, the man I admire, Ed Meyer, how are you doing? Good evening, Johnny. Uh, Hey, I loved hearing Julio. That was super. Uh, yeah, well, I'm sure I know you were at the River Downs Grandstand years ago, and he was riding all those stakes races, and Kevin Gomer would give it, and now entering the winner's circle aboard down the pike, Mike, who, Leo Felix. 
Seems like yesterday, and uh, we used to call him Get Down Holio because he'd be way down, and he'd be he'd be humping and pumping down the lane, and he never quit, and he he never lost an ounce. I it was always a pleasure watching him ride. Yeah, I mean, and when he came to town. It meant business. I mean, that guy won his fair share of horses, uh, races on the road, and of course he dominated uh, the Cleveland area six times. He was the leading rider up there, but he's just really a good person, and I can uh, be, uh, you know, tell you that uh, we've been out and had a few beers down at old AJ's Roadhouse after the races a couple times. Um, you know, back back in the day when we were younger and did that kind of stuff. Uh, now I just kind of hope that races early. Uh, and early, so I can get to MCL cafeteria for the early bird buffet. <laughs> you mean a little little shot of insure and in, uh, in the racing form still, and you're you're good to go. You got it, baby. You got it. You know, <laughs> John. I, I have to. I real quick uh, when he was telling the story, I caught Julio, and he was talking about the barrel. Now, yeah. I remember a long time ago, River Downs. You took back a media crew to the backside. And they were they were working. You actually had a, a, a really really good gentleman, George Bush, trainer, longtime Ohio trainer. His father was an excellent yep. rider in in the circuit years ago. And he actually bent down with the towel around the pole. Is that kind of similar where Julio was going? It sounds to me like he had this uh, the uh, the barrel tied up to some trees, and okay. uh, you you'd have to get on it, but it wasn't strapped down, so it, it would roll. If you didn't maintain your center of balance, uh, this is from the Kevin Krieger story. If you didn't maintain your center of balance, it would dump you. You'd be off the side of the barrel because it would spin. And uh, that's the way I see it. But, yeah, I remember bringing that rider back there. And the guy goes, well, you know, I just want to gallop a horse. How, how, hard, how hard can it be? And so George Bush throws him a towel. And he says, come over to this pole. He says, squat down. He goes, okay. And they threw the pole over, and he gave gave the guy each, each end of the towel. He said, now squat down. He said, pull on that pole for as long as you can. And the guy did it for about 30 seconds and dropped to the ground. He says, <laughs> easy, he says easy stuff, huh? <laughs> yeah, he says, that's what it's like to gallop a horse. So if it looks easy, it's because those people have years of experience. He says, and we did, that guy did gallop a horse, not by his own, George ponied him. But you think about it, and I, you know, listen, I hope the audience has listened. Go ahead and do this. Go out in your backyard. You got a fire hydrant outside or something like that. Take a towel, grab it, and squat down, and then lean back on your haunches and see how long you can hold that position. If it's over 60 seconds, uh, I'll buy you a beer. So You know, John, I've often said, and I know you feel the same, pound for pound, and it's not because we love horse racing. Jockeys are, I, in my opinion, some of the best athletes in any sport. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, Sports Illustrated, now I'm going back, it was like 25 years ago, uh, did, did a test on football players, boxers, name an athlete. And pound for pound, the jockey for peripheral vision, for reaction, for ability to lift their own weight, uh, running, were the best athlete. That was what Sports Illustrated scientific test found out. So, you know, while some people want to call them names and stuff like that, well, you know, gallop a mile in my shoes, buddy. You know? Fair enough. Fair enough. I, that, I like that one there. But I do recall that. And. You actually uh, allowed uh, allowed a, a writer to be schooled in the 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 art and foil of horse racing. Well, we got a good story out of it. I don't know if you'd be able to pull it off in this day and age, but it <laughs> it, it it was a good one. Uh, I remember. And, since, and uh, 
Yeah, and he got to meet some people on the backstretch. We actually got a couple stories out of it. He met Jackie Jerry Harrison, and you just never know what you're going to run into on the backstretch there. It's a it's a marvelous world that uh, I, I hope people eventually get to experience. Well, hey, you, you've been killing it at the spa, man. Now, normally you get going about the second or third week after you see a trend, but I can attest to our listeners that uh, you've had some pretty good spa plays up at Saratoga this year. Had a couple, and and I and I hope the uh, the 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 good man upstairs keeps his uh, keeps his uh, his vision upon me. And uh, you know, it's really so much fun to watch the spa this time of year, John. Anybody can actually win. I mean, there's there's at least eight or nine riders in that room that can win. On other occasions, when it's wide open and it could be a maiden or a, a little bit cheaper claiming race, say a twenty thousand dollar claiming race there, which would be cheaper at the end of a card on a Monday. Anybody can win. And there, there's so much talent, uh, pound for pound in there. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm kind of I'm finding a little bit of a trainer-rider pattern here. And thus far it's been working. And uh, let's, let's see if it can continue for a little while longer. Okay, well, Ed, and I know, and that's what you look for, is you look for who's hot, who's not. Now, we know who's going to be hot. You know, we know that, you know, Pletcher and Chad Brown are going to be hot. Steve Asmussen is always going to be right there. It looks like Bill Mott is having a very, very good season. And there's a guy that I think was a graduate of the Pletcher School by the name of George Weaver that seems to be doing pretty good. Incredible uh, turf trainer. Uh, you, you'll see you'll see a lot of uh, a lot of pop up winners. You you won't see a lot of grade one one to nine shots out of the Weaver Barn. But what you will see is twenty two and twenty eight dollar horses out of the Weaver Barn. And you'll see Manny Franco aboard. You'll see uh, maybe Dylan Davis, and you'll see uh, you, you'll see it. maybe he won't attract uh, Johnny Velasquez or, or Jose Ortiz. But you're, you're definitely going to get some value out of George Weaver. Now, you know, one of the names I just threw out there, one of my favorite trainers, is Bill Mott. Uh, did you get a chance, because I know you're a very, very busy man during the day, but every once in a while you glance over at television. Did you get a chance to see Hofberg's performance in the curling? Yes, I did. Uh, yes, yes, I did. And and first off, I agree. Uh, Mott, Mott's off. He's off and running. And it seems like there's usually somebody that jumps out. I believe he's won seven from 28 uh, coming into this week, which is, uh, and he's going to be 65 uh, on Sunday. And oh, and one probably one of the best bets in the world is Bill Mott on his birthday. So yes. he's coming in red hot. He's coming in firing on all cylinders. He's going to be 65 years young, and he's got his birthday or celebrated his birthday on Sunday, which you know you, you should have been firing away right then and there. But uh, that that was always one of the big uh, the big two dollar wagers for me. But uh, I, I do agree. And yes, I did see the race. It, it was it was just awful, awful impressive going to the Traverse Stakes right out of that. I it might might be tough. Yeah, you know, I've always been a big Hofferberg fan, and he was my my derby bet while he finished a, uh, you know, a, a troubled seventh. Of course, who wasn't on the the rainiest day in uh, Kentucky Derby history? But uh, you know, ran third in the Belmont Stakes. Okay, now uh, the other race I want to run by you uh, for future consideration is uh, the Jim Dandy. Uh, tenfold looked like he was just going to run away with it, and then he started acting like a drunken sailor in the last furlong, but eventually got straightened out and managed to last. Did you take anything away from the Jim Dandy? 
Yes, and and I'm I'm going to really dismiss that whole acting up uh, because uh, Ricardo Santana went to the right stick, he bared in, he went to the left stick, he bared out. He he, he wasn't going to win the looking good and beautiful, but he still got the win. And the guy is ultra talented and. I'm really going to dismiss that whole acting up because I haven't seen that before from Tenfold. I went back and looked at the races. You know, it wasn't, you know, you could see a little a little maneuvering in or out, but nothing like that. Actually, I thought Jose Lescano was going to come back on the rail and nail him, but it was a, kind of a tricky camera angle. I'm going to dismiss that and just kind of toss that one to the wind. A win is a win, and sometimes they're not pretty. And, uh, you know, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a glorious uh, look, but uh, still got the job done. Uh, I'll have to go back. Today's Saratoga special, I think, had a quote from Asmussen saying, well, he can run faster sideways than they can run straight. (laughs) (laughs) Good point. Real good point. All right. Well, Ed, with that said and done, let's get get into some of uh, this week's uh, races. And uh, let's go straight to the big one. And that's the Whitney. It's a grade one. This race will probably have uh, some starters in the Breeders' Cup Classic or a starter. And uh, all of a sudden, it's like uh, it's like the two New York breads look like they might be the most dangerous ones in here in Diversify and Mind Your Biscuits. Now, Mind Your Biscuits, we're asking him maybe to do something he can't do, and that's race a mile and an eighth. But, boy, Diversify put a line through his Charlestown Classic, and this is one of the best horses in training. Of course, some kid by the name of Irad Ortiz will be in the saddle for uh, Richard Violet. Um, what's your read on the Whitney Stakes, Admire? Love, love the Diversify. I think if you get anywhere near 7 to 5, you should you should count it as uh, pennies found from heaven. There, it's going to be an incredible card, John. Five stakes, three graded, and there's a $500,000 pick four that starts in the test prior to this. I think Diversify might be a single for me. Looking for three in a row, the Suburban win was by six and a half lengths, just in hand. In the And you talk about being away from other horses and settling down, John. Diversify just did exactly what he wanted. The son of Belmiro was ultra tough. One for one at the spa. Won the uh, shipment last year by 11 lengths. Iran Ortiz has been, been aboard just every single time. I mean, he's off to the races, winning 18% up there. I think they're going to have their hands full of diversify all the way around. Yeah, I, I really do too. Now, Mind Your Biscuits is, uh, you know, an amazing horse in his own right. He's closing in on $4 million as a New York bred. Uh, but, you know, I, I just think that they're, they're asking too much of him going a mile and an eighth. I agree. And coming coming out of Dubai, that was a real nice win going six furlongs in Dubai in the Golden Shaheen. You know, but the, the race in the Metropolitan, now take it in, take it for what it's worth. Mind Your Business has been off for 56 days. And coming in here, brushed in the stretch, four wide in the turn, and got beat by a dirty nose at the wire going a mile. We're going to go a mile and an eighth. And they're, they're going to be, there's going to be plenty of pace. There's going to be plenty of others, other uh, satellites flying from the back of the pack after you. I think Mind Your Biscuits, that last, that last quarter mile is going to be awfully grueling. But 
you know, not to take anything away from the son of Posse. I mean, he's three for five in the money at Saratoga, but he's not going to get my win end. I, I'm still going to stay with Diversify. I could use him underneath, but I think I think the, uh, the the real, not really a wise guy horse, but one that they haven't given up on from a dismal effort in the Stephen Foster is number two, Backyard Heaven at nine to two with Javier Castellano. Very lightly raced from the Chad Brown barn. Uh, you know, put a line through that last Churchill race, and uh, he's right there, been training forwardly. So, but still, I think this race goes through Diversify if you're paying, playing, shall we say, horizontal bets. Well, you mentioned earlier the start of this uh, uh, pick four is the Longines test, grade one, going one of my favorite distances, seven furlongs. And uh, so what you've got here is some horses that have been, uh, you know, excellent at six or six and a half. They're going to be stretching out and trying to go seven the first time. And then you got Alter Moon out of the Chad Brown barn that's been proven at the distance, but uh, maybe hasn't faced, uh, you know, the toughest of company. What's your read on this race, particularly Minute to stardom from Al Stallsburn. How about this? A Louisiana bred undefeated. Do you think Al's just trying to find out what he's got? Uh, he could be testing the waters and, and the, the pots, right? I mean, it's worth a shot. And uh, I, now, I, I'm not. I'm not going to stand there and, and question any filly by Star Guitar, who was a an incredible Louisiana machine. Oh I yeah, mean, and especially yeah. Al Stall. But you know, he, he's kind of testing the water. This is the acid test right here. This, uh, this actually shows you what you have, but John, for me in here, I think there's going to be plenty of speed to set it up. Take a look at number six, Separation of Power, 7-2, Jose Ortiz for Chad Brown. They're winning 25% together the last couple months. This is second start of 2018, John. The last time out, stumbled at the start, steadied at the eighth pole, was seven wide, and was only beaten a length in three parts in the victory ride. It was a rough day at the office for separation of powers, and I'm going to give her that little nod there. Chad Brown coming second off of a layoff. He is an impressive 23% winner. You know that uh, she loves uh, Saratoga, two for two in the money, a win and a third from two starts. And I think six and a half to seven, it's just what the doctor ordered. I see separation of powers being right in Ortiz's hands, and just it, it'd be a push-button run. I think seven to two was really kind. I mean, for me, I, I was really I was glad to see it. And, and I hope that on race day that, that I'll be glad to see it as well. But second off the layoff, one of my favorite angles, Ortiz and Brown together, loves the track, uh, the breeding fits, and it was just such an ugly, ugly race in the victory ride last time at Belmont. Separation of powers is I'm, I'm all about. Yeah, you checked every box. I mean, uh, the jockey-trainer combo is 36%. That's through the roof. And also, outside of this horse breaking its maiden by over 11 lengths at Saratoga last year, this horse has competed nothing but graded stakes races, uh, three of her four grade ones and was the winner of the uh, grade one frisette. Uh, you know, Ed... All I can say is, once again, I can't argue with you, and I won't. All right, let's take a west-hand turn and go to West Virginia. 
grade three, their biggest race, a mile and eighth, Mountaineer Park. We were talking last week about a jockey. His name is Flavian Pratt and how much he's making his mark on the uh, industry right now. And he's coming in town with a Baffert trainee by Bodie Meister, who's trained by Baffert. Once on whiskey, I think uh, this is the one that you got to watch out for. I agree once again. I, I think we've known each other for so long. We, you know, they always say that a couple starts looking alike. I think we start handicapping alike. This I hope we don't start looking alike. I can tell yeah, you I was going to say. I, I hope we don't <laughs> do that as well. But uh, maybe I maybe I led too quickly there. But once on whiskey looks really good, John. Th- this son of Bodie Meister, I think, is something special. I think Baffert had him really cranked up in the Low South Derby, and that was off of a layoff coming in from Churchill Downs from an optional claiming seventy five, which is a really tough race and was a beaten favorite that day if you take a look at once on whiskey you're going to see a lot of good things and if you have the ability to go back and watch any of the replays the low south derby off a bit slow and came flying flavian pratt I'm, I'm putting him about a cut below, right about where Ferrand Giroux is. We're going to be hearing so many good things from this guy from years to come. He's a talented turf rider, and I really think he's just coming into his own. I'm really excited about Once on Whiskey. Uh, you've got Baffert, you've got Pigram. You got, they're, they're back in action here together, and Baffert wins 34% off of a, of a last race win. You've got to love that. There's a great work at Del Mar prepping up to Come in. I think all systems are go for once on whiskey, and I I think West Virginia is going to be uh, they're going to be in for a real treat once they see uh, Baffert uh, you know bring him in in the big red and yellow and just get the job done. Drinks will be on the house with once on whiskey. All right. Well, uh, you know, as a matter of fact, mine just emptied out, so it's about time to refuel. <laughs> Got about a minute or so here before we close the show out, Ed. Um, what are you looking forward to this weekend? This weekend, uh, you know, we well, I always look forward to the races. I mean, there's nothing better than live racing. And, you know, I'm here right outside the Cincinnati area, Belterra Park. But this Sunday is the Vivacious. It's a $75,000 guaranteed a mile and the 16th on the turf. It's going to be a little summery hot, but that's what August is about. There's going to be a field of 12 uh, O-breads that are really going to battle it out and go a mile and a 16th. There's some real nice runners in there. Tonight I'm going to be working on the morning line. I think True Cinder is going to be a monster on the front end. School Board Prez, who absolutely loves the track. John, I'll tell you what, this little $75,000 guaranteed race might turn up a little better than you think. <laughs> well, you'll be there calling it, and you're the uh, the odds maker, so uh, you know, n- nothing better than that, and quite frankly, uh, there's nothing better than talking with you, whether live or on the radio, Ed Meyer. John, thanks, and uh, best of luck to all your listeners, and hey, pay attention to this guy. He knows what's going on. All right. Well, uh, I don't know about that last statement, but I do know that I always get guests that knows what's going on. It was great talking to Julio Felix and going down memory lane a little bit there and learning about the the racing in St. Croix and uh, some of the people that he's mentored. It's always wonderful to have Ed Meyer on the show, probably the most uh, asked for guest that we get here on Winning Ponies. And it's great having you as listeners. Remember, A lot of racing going on. If you need help, we got it right here at winningponies.com with your easy win forms. And I want to thank uh, Woodbine Racing for supporting us and being our sponsor here at 
winningponies.com. So, for everybody, including my producer, Josh, by gosh, who keeps me in line, says I got to get the hell out of here. I'm John Engelhart. Thanks so much for listening to Ponies. And remember, when you go to the racetrack, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.